ladies and gentlemen, don't call it a comeback. We are here for, this is going to be August 2018. Uh, we will be discussing Ant-Man and the Wasp, the Marvel movie that came out just last month. And to join me is none other than the man on the West Coast, the one who knows what's going on in Hollywood, the man on the scene, Stephen Waldinger. Oh, thank you. That was such an epic in- uh, uh, introduction. I love it. Can- I- M- Nate, you're my official hype man now. <laughs> uh, the bill is in the mail. And also joining us is the man on the East Coast, down on the peninsula, Mr. Mahoney. What's up, buddy? What up, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Tired, but good. <laughs> so, dear listener, we are representing three time zones right now. Uh, as we sit down to record this, it is 10.48 in the central time zone where I am. That means it's a it's a nice little 8.48 for Steve, but it's an 11.48 for Mo. So we thank you guys for uh, taking some time out to, to talk Ant-Man and the Wasp tonight. I really appreciate it. So, Indeed, thank you. To get things going, let's, let's talk a little bit about the experience that we had watching Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, I'll kick it off because I went and saw it. This was uh, one of those odd times that I didn't go see the movie opening night because baby stuff. <laughs> so uh, we have a, uh, he'll be eight months pretty soon, uh, old, uh, and you know he, he demands a lot of time and attention and uh, doesn't let us get to the movies quite as often as usual. In fact, my wife hasn't been to the theater since he's been born, uh, so she's been waiting for like the video release. She hasn't even seen Avengers yet to, at this point. So that'll change in a couple weeks here. Uh, but uh, I did not get a chance to go see it on the opening night. However, I did see it the following morning because um, I took some time off from work, had that day off, and went ahead and went and saw it. And I got to tell you guys, the, the theater was, it wasn't empty, but it was it was light, um, which I guess is to be expected on morning shows on a weekday. And I feel like it was a, a pretty... Uh, exclusive showing, to be honest. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of laughter or crowd noise or anything. Everybody was pretty quiet. There were a couple chuckles here and there during the showing, but um, I almost had the theater to myself. It was the IMAX showing, the big screen, uh, and uh, I actually kind of liked it, you know, just having the the exclusive viewing experience. Exclusive. Um, But yeah, so for me, that's kind of the scene how it was. How about you, Steve? What What was the scene like over there? Oh, so I actually got to see a um, a preview screening. I was at my local comic book store, uh, Mega City One. If you're in Los Angeles, they're on Melrose and Poinsettia. Totally go check them out. Um, so I, I'm in my, you know, I'm there. I'm, I'm looking at the comics, and uh, this guy who ended up being from Hyundai comes up to me and is like, "Oh, hey, we're doing a uh, um, a giveaway. Do you want to go see a uh, a screening of Eight Man and the Lost before it hits the theaters?" I was like, "Uh." Okay, don't have to pay anything. They're like, no, it's free. I was like, cool. It was. It ended up being a scavenger hunt thing. You found, you find the the purple Hyundai car that they're driving in the movie. Um, there's like you know the little tiny version of it, the the uh, Hot Wheels car. Um, that's your. You go online then with that car. There's like a you know website you go to and you just register there and then yeah, um, free screening. So yeah, me and my friend Liz went. Um, it was a very, this is all enthusiastic people because they're seeing the movie ahead of time. So it was a very fun crowd. Um, we got the major hookup. Um, it was at AMC and we got a uh, food voucher. So we got a voucher for uh, free drink, free popcorn and free candy. And uh, I think they did a brief interview with us just asking us how we found the, the car and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so much fun. The crowd, everybody was super nice. Yeah, made a lot of you know, friends in the theater while we were waiting in line to get in, and plus, you know, sitting down. We had a debate about putting, uh, oh, raisinettes. That was a big topic of debate. Um, <laughs> Wait, are you so pro yeah. or con? Or against? I'm pro raisinette, but the uh, the mood of the theater was definitely anti raisinette. Hmm. I love me some raisinettes, to be honest. All right. Yes. Mo, where do you stand on the raisinette debate? Um, fine solo. I have no interest in them with my popcorn. Uh, the only candy that goes in popcorn is Starburst and Milk Duds. Oh, I've never heard that before. Yeah, Sounds interesting. Pretty, pretty banging. But I also pretty partial to the Starburst, so that makes sense why. Nice. Yeah. 
So, Mo, what was your experience like? Uh, so we're back in Florida, um, and I actually the theater we go to here. Uh, a bunch of my former students uh, work, and so when we walked in, it kind of felt. I felt. I'm not gonna lie. I felt kind of like a celebrity. Um, <laughs> got a lot of love. That they were like, "Coach, you guys moved back." I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, are you back at? Uh, the the old school and my wife's like yes I am and I had a very sheepish grin because I am not back at the old school uh, I'm at a different much bigger school and so there was a little disheartening that they were like they couldn't come back to see me at our old campus and I was like I'm sorry guys but I'm very happy um, and they're like what are you guys gonna see I'm like oh we're gonna see uh, Ant Man and the Wasp and this would have been the midnight release so that Thursday night and we went in five to ten minutes before the show and not even half capacity of the IMAX theater and I was like man nobody's excited to see Ant-Man which sucks because I want to say Ant-Man was the first non-Hulk comic I think I read and I I enjoyed that run because he's very very funny but he led me to uh, Squirrel Girl, and he led me to X-23, and he led me to Miss Marvel, Miss Marvel being one of my favorites. Um, and I was really disheartened that so few people showed up for the showing. So I think mine was about the same as yours, Nate, that it just not drawing a big crowd. So I have to ask, the Ant-Man that you were introduced to, was it a Hank Pym Ant-Man? Uh, no, it was not. It was uh, the new guy. Scott Lang. What's... Is he Scott Lang in the comics? That's where I was wanting to make sure I was saying the right thing. There was a third Ant-Man, uh, irredeemable Ant-Man. That would have been around the World War Hulk era. Okay, so no, yeah, it would have been Lang. I just I was pretty sure there was a third name, and I wanted to make sure it was the same. Um, but it was his run that had come out just, I want to say maybe a year before his movie. So kind of the same storyline of him having the suit however uh hank wasn't involved um he just had the suit um and him trying to like battle and fight to stay in his daughter's life and the wife wasn't at the ex-wife wasn't as supportive as the ex-wife was uh in this last one okay interesting so let's talk a little bit then about the the movie itself proper so we we all went to showings that were you know Steve, yours didn't have a packed out house, did it? No, we were sold out. You were sold out. Okay, so yours. Yeah, it was the promotional thing. So yeah, every every seat was filled for that. Okay, so yours would have been the probably the best one to go to as far as that that the energy from the crowd because this one is a comedy. Out of you know, out of all the the Marvel movies, Ant Man feels to be the most comedic out of all of them, or at least kind of set up to be that way. Uh, would you guys agree? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Like Thor Ragnarok had had a bunch of laughs too, uh, and the Guardians movies are funny. But yeah, I think this one, the, this one's the most comedic. I think. I don't ever remember laughing at Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> That's understandable, Mo. <laughs> Worst Marvel movie ever. <laughs> so let's look at this movie uh, that we had here. This is the latest that takes place after Avengers. So this is the the post. Uh, I'm going to say spoilers, by the way. Spoilers for the Marvel Universe. Everything. Spoiler. Here we go. Um, so this is the post-Snap world, where it's, uh, you know, Thanos has had his day and uh, has gotten his gauntlet and put all the stones in there, and he had words with Iron Man. But what we find out with this movie is that it doesn't necessarily take place after. It's kind of concurrent, possibly, or slightly before. Um, I think before, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's before. Okay. So definitely the, the snap part, which the events of the Avengers movie, to me, seem to happen within like a weekend, possibly, like a, a couple days. Um, as far as the timeline goes, Steve, is that accurate to what you think is going on there? Um, that seems about right. I would say, yeah, I read an article actually post-watching the movie about the timeline of Ant-Man and the Wasp and how it's kind of contradictory to what happens in Avengers, um, Infinity War. But then I, was, um, I thought, eh, they're thinking way too much into it. To me, it took place, I would say maybe 
maybe a one to two weeks before Infinity War. That's my estimation. Okay. So, as far as the timeline goes, uh, it kind of plays in a little bit with the, the post-credit scene that we get, or rather, during credit scene that we get, uh, with what's happening. And talking about how this, this whole universe kind of plays together, because this last ending scene kind of can't stand on its own outside of the whole uh, movie. What did you guys uh, think of the post, or sorry, mid-credit scene? Mo? Uh um, I'll, I'll go really quick because my, my, my full theater, they got hushed when, um, you know, because it's all, you know, it starts out like a very, it's a very fun scene. Oh, hey, we're going to, the, I'm going to the Guanam Realm. I'm going to get more stuff. Uh, la, 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 everybody's having fun. And then you, you know, you cut from Ant-Man in the, in the Quantum Realm. You cut back and all you see is the floating ash. And my whole theater was, <gasps> mm-hmm. I think some no's let out too. Yeah. <laughs> So you got you got a decent reaction there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, I'm actually really mad right now. Like you just incited a small fire inside of me. Our theater turned the lights on after that scene, and what you just said made me think that there was a second one that I have no idea what it is. Um. Well, there is a second well, post-credit scene. They turned the lights on, and the screen went to black. After the snap scene and him calling in the dark or in the void. So uh, <laughs> that's interesting. I, I, I didn't so think a theater would do that. My, my fists are currently clenched and I'm very <laughs> upset right now. So uh, I'll tell you um, what happens here in a second, but go ahead. And okay, I will appreciate it. Um, when that happened, I literally sat there and was like, it doesn't makes sense to me that he's alive like my 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 reasoning is so far what we've seen is only the original avengers are there post snap which makes sense to me like there are a lot of timelines and loops and story arcs and comic runs that involve similar things and i'm like okay I, I think this is really cool that we're we're tying this in and we're throwing this nod back. For him to make it and for Hank Pym not to, even though Pym was in, I, I believe, was geared up. I'm not 100% sure if it was then or the other time he was geared up. Kind of took me, took me aback. Like, why isn't it Hank Pym, who technically is an original Avenger, and it is Scott Lang instead? So that was like my biggest oh snap moment in that part. Oh snap, was it a pun? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so your your theater though were were they were there any gasps or uh, any reactions from them? Um, there may have been. However, there was a child behind me saying, "Where did they go?" And that led to me laughing. So I, I wasn't paying attention to everybody else. I was just chuckling at the little kid going, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> Naivety makes me laugh. Uh, for my screening, it was just people being quiet, watching the scene, and then kind of like, oh, man, that's stupid. Worst Marvel movies ever now with the scenes on the end. Um, I guess people just don't un- understand how they're trying to be cohesive and kind of join into the wider storytelling universe. But... Uh, I thought that it was, you know, uh, I expected it. And when I saw, like, they were doing something and he was going into the quantum realm, I figured that either he or the people outside were going to be snapped away. So I was kind of expecting it. And when it happened, I was like, huh, well, that that did it. Ties it up. So I am curious to see where it goes from here. I, I assume that with the next Avengers movie, we'll get some sort of resolution with these people maybe... Uh, in a post-credit scene or in just like a montage scene of them being back. Um, not sure, but uh, as far as the, the audience reaction, like I said, it was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Marvel movies are terrible now with these endings, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but Mo, the actual end credit scene, uh, if you've seen the trailer, you've actually seen it because they, they put the scene in the trailer. Um, it was... Just an ant playing the drums. A big ant playing the drums in Scott's apartment. 
Although so there was some there was some punctuation play at hand too, because after you see the ant playing, you know the the drum game, nice. you know it, it does the typical Marvel thing. Ant Man and the Wasp will return, but then there's a pause and then there's a question mark, mm-hmm. and that 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 caught our theater's attention too. That was another. I think it was a combination of laughs and more gasps. Yeah. So. You didn't really miss out much, Mo, to be honest. Maybe that's why they, they turned the lights up, okay. because they'd seen it, and they were like, no, nah, they don't, they don't want to see this. <laughs> so, right. as far as this movie goes, this is a sequel, obviously, to the original Ant-Man movie. Um, just off the bat, which one did you prefer? Uh, which uh, story did you like better, the original Ant-Man or Ant-Man and the Wasp? I'm, I actually think that I like this one better, and I don't really... I haven't put a finger on why yet. I... I I think that maybe I'm more familiar with Paul Rudd as the character, and it it was actually focused less on him and more on the Wasp, and I thought Ghost was a better villain character. Um, but what did you guys think? Which one do you prefer, the first one or the sequel? Uh, Steve? Um, I think I liked the first one more, only because it had more Judy Greer, uh, Scott's ex-wife in the movie. Okay. And Mo? Um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of this one. Only because of the fact that I thought it did a better job of tying all the things that make Ant-Man Ant-Man. So it tied in with his small business and trying to be a dad and also trying to be, you know, the the not, I'm not going to say anti-hero, but not your typical hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it played in some pretty good funny moments where he's like, "Yeah, I'm fun, friends with Cap. It's a thing." You know, I was I I remember laughing pretty hard at that. Um, but the thing I think I liked the most was I really liked the dynamic between him and the Wasp, where they had to kind of see where each of them made mistakes and come back through that relationship, because that's one of my like that's a very good coupling. And I actually want to see that relationship flourish and grow. So I really hope that question mark turns into an exclamation point that we will see Ant-Man and the Wasp back together again. So, yeah, I, I have no doubt that we'll see them sooner than later. I think it's just one of those things where they're like trying to play around with you just, just a little bit. Right. So talking about the small business uh, aspect of, of the film, obviously, uh, Xcon, I believe, is the name of the the business that he creates, and Michael Pena's character is shepherding the business with the other two associates that they had from the first movie. Um, I can't remember who who's. For some reason, I only know the small chin is was like the Russian kind of guy. Uh, who who plays the other guy? Um, he's like a famous rapper. Mo. You know? Oh, that's Ti. There you yeah. go. I knew you'd know that. <laughs> very very good rapper uh very good rapper so what'd you guys think of that supporting cast this time around they were a little bit more muted uh, but they were still there just a little bit i think that was the perfect use of the uh of the supporting cast they didn't t- they definitely you know they contributed they were funny but at the same time they didn't take away too much from the main plot so that, i think that's perfect use mm-hmm. mo um i could have used maybe a little more um, not of T.I. and the and the other henchmen, um, but of the, oh, what's his name? The little guy who was playing the boss, his best friend. Oh, oh my goodness. Pena? Yes, thank you. Um, I couldn't remember his name, his actual name, original name. <laughs> uh, I could use more of him because, like, I think in that role, he is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the true serum thing mm-hmm. had me rolling like great. no no he's he's a storyteller you gotta let him tell the whole story <laughs> and i was legit dying because i've experienced moments like that not where i was drugged on two serums but like when you are telling a story but you're telling it from the wayback machine like you're like really bringing it out and i just really enjoyed it i thought he was hilarious so i could have had a little more of him been very happy i think i've heard you tell some of those stories on the ot it's kind of my thing <laughs> <laughs> um i i really think that the the Michael Pena scene from the first movie was a little bit better than this one, but I I still like this one. You know, talking about you know where is Scott? He's like, well, you know, he emotionally where is he? You know, that's kind of the way he's going down for some reason. Uh, I thought that was pretty pretty funny. Um, but Steve, what do you think? 
Oh, definitely. He was definitely great in this movie, too. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were fun. Um, yeah, I think in the first movie, they felt at times to me a little overwhelming. So, yeah, here, yeah, the perfect use of him. Yeah, Michael Pena is always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the truth serum scene, I think, was one of the funniest because, you know, they're like, there's no such thing as truth serum, and I've been doing this for years, and then eventually he gets hit with it, and he's like, oh, man, it is truth serum. <laughs> Um, anyway, so with Scott's character, we we see him. He's opening up uh, as house arrested Scott Lang, and he's got like a couple days left until parole, right? And he's trying to figure out as much as he can do with his daughter. He's making these uh, mazes that are reminiscent of ant hills, like on the inside, and they're going around. And how long do you think it took him to set that stuff up just to go through once, you know? Because that was kind of like a, a one-and-done type scenario there. Yeah, that that was easily a, a five-hour planning session with at least two hours of taping <laughs> to get those boxes where you need them. Uh-huh. And then going I'm behind not, the scenes, I wonder how long it took the crew to set up that scene. Oh, That's yeah. what I'm talking about. I, ah. that, is, that is five hours of legit planning and two hours of setting up. As somebody who's built a lot of forts in his life... <laughs> I, I know when you're dealing with boxes, especially that many, I mean, that that is a lot of work, mm-hmm. especially to keep the sun out. Yeah. I love it that you're a, a fortologist, Mo. Oh, I've, I built a, a great deal of forts. You want to make a really banging Halloween for, for, for kids when you're an elementary P teacher, you make a sweet, sweet maze with a cool little haunted house and set it up in the gym. And I'm telling you, it is hours, hours of, of labor. But worth it to see see those guys smile. So, did you take them in ant hills? <laughs> um, no, but it was like an, a haunted house style. What we use boxes to make tunnels, and for me making a small, I want to say it was like twenty foot by twenty foot maze with cardboard boxes. That took me over an hour. Nice. So, so. What you're saying is that uh, next time Marvel needs to make some forts, they they can call you. Yeah, call me up, Marvel. I'm ready to go. I'm re- I got some I got some things to talk to y'all about when it comes to my whole. We're <laughs> not talking about that right now. <laughs> so Scott obviously is has been serving out his sentence because of his involvement in the Sokovia Accords, which we get that scene by that one uh, federal agent as he tells the the little girl, you know a completely adult like version of what happened with Sokovia Accords and he thinks it's completely like fine that she gets it all and uh, you know offhandedly Scott Lang's like you have a great way with kids you know it's kind of sarcastically but and then he's like oh man thanks I'm a youth pastor like what? <laughs> it was just the way that he was you know acted in that in that scene and really sold that that joke I thought it was pretty well done um, what did you guys think of that specific character of the the FBI agent that's kind of like the bumbling idiot that's not really paying attention and curious more about how to do close-hand magic uh, than really tracing Scott's whereabouts. Now, what I liked about him, if, if you've watched the new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., wouldn't he be a great replacement of a certain person who may or may not have died? I haven't caught up, so I don't know who you're thinking of for sure. Hence why I didn't say who. (laughs) <laughs> but I think he would be a great addition to that unit. He's so, kind of a little too bumbling for me. You know what I mean? Which, you know, the Agent Shield needs a little humor brought back because they got a little serious the last season. Ah, I, I need to catch up. Bring back the jokes. <laughs> what did you, what'd yeah, you that guy, Steve? Uh, he's a real, yeah, that, uh, Randall Park was the actor who played him. He's on uh, Fresh Off the Boat. He's a real great comedic actor. I think he does a fair amount of improv, I think, on the Fresh Off the, on Fresh Off the Boat. So I'm sure he brought some of those scenes. He, he probably ad-libbed some to even add to the already written humor. So, yeah, my hat's off to him. He did a great job with that character. Yeah, I, I really like the scene, like, you know, that, that joke just played perfectly. And then just watching him later on as as the other guys are really kind of trying to focus on stuff and he's talking to the empty suit and everything. And <laughs> I don't know. It was a good bit of comic relief that, um, I thought was, was a nice welcome uh, addition to this, this particular movie. He, he felt right in this, in this, uh, particular scenario. Definitely. So let's talk about ghost. She is our, our foil, uh, kind of this time because 
she shows up. She has got some issues with quantum. Everything's quantum, by the way. We're going to say quantum a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're we're going to break the quantum. Anyway, um, it was a lot of, of issues with the quantum realm that there was an explosion uh, that Hank Pym was a part of, as well as Lawrence Fishburne's character, which I can't remember what his name was. Uh, Bill Foster. Bill Foster. Now, does he play an important character? I think he's giant, or was he giant man or something back in the uh, original? In the vision? comics, he was Black Goliath. Black Goliath. He was notable for being killed in uh, Civil War by the clone of Thor in the comic book Civil War. Yep. Okay. So the fact that he's alive after the Civil War, quote-unquote, uh, they're just doing their own thing with this character, whatever they want to do. He may or may not suit up in the future. Right, exactly. Good to know. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Lawrence Fishburne suit up somewhere. I mean, but oh, it would yeah, be kind of weird awesome. seeing Perry White or Perry, is it Mason or White? White. Perry White uh, uh, enlarge himself. <laughs> <laughs> but thinking about Ghost, uh, what did you guys think of the... Uh, the outfit and just like her character as a whole, Steve. Uh, the outfit was great. Looked um, very much like the comic book ghost. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not overly familiar with. I've I've seen. I think the ghost I know is a is a was a guy who's like an Iron Man villain. Um, you, so yeah, I like the, I like the adjustment. What you know what they did with Ghost here. I think on the whole, the actress was great that played her played her on the whole with her. I think the only thing that bugged me about her character was like, she wasn't a villain ish and, you know, it was right that they wanted to help her. But at the same time she did do, you know, some bad things. Like I want to say she, she killed at least one person. I think that she didn't really need to kill. Mm-hmm. So I hope, you know, hope she doesn't get off the hook for that. That's uh, I think that's my only problem with her, but otherwise, yeah. Yeah. Ghost was cool. No. So I'm a pretty big ghost fan. Um, Justin, again, uh, as we know, I'm not a big fan of the other uh, Avenger leads, so I'm not an Iron Man fan or a Cat fan. And Ghost had some pretty sweet fights with Iron Man that almost went the way I would have preferred they went. Sadly, Iron Man won. Uh, but yeah, no, I really like Ghost. And I did have a couple things. People kept trying to say that they stole Ghost's suit from Destiny, and I was like, no, Ghost's suit's been around since, like, 1985 or 87 when Ghost came around. So that got me a little heated, but no, really good job. Um, I thought Ghost as a possible alliance or being used as another hero would be a really cool lead. So, and I enjoyed that. The actor did a really good job. Yeah. I don't know if i've seen her in anything else before this but i thought like you said that she did a really good job selling that and uh with that understandable motives except her means aren't quite the best you know um lawrence fishburne's character calls her out you know when she was about to kidnap the kid he's like if you touch that kid this isn't i'm just leaving you know and kind of maybe driving some sense back into her that way at least um Let's talk about the other foil, the other uh, kind of nuisance in the in the mix, and that was the the restauranteur that had a, a San Francisco restaurant that he was very concerned about people finding health code violations when he had the truth serum in him, um, and he uh, was kind of a black market broker that uh, you know became a nuisance later on in the third act. Um, Mo, what did you think about that character? Um, hold on. Did you say that you weren't familiar with her work? Not off the top of my head, I'm not. She was in Star Wars The Force Awakens. No, she wasn't. I will bet you $100. (laughs) Who was she in Star Wars The Force Awakens? I'm pretty sure she was one of the officers for the First Order. Hmm... I will not bet you $100 because I don't have $100 to bet, but <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm i pretty sure that I didn't notice her either. Anyway, you were digressing. Okay, sorry. Uh, internet can tell us later if, if we're wrong or right, or IMDB. We can figure that out later. Uh, okay. But, Mr. Mo. Yes. 
the question. What was the question? Sorry, I was more like I knew something Star Wars that you didn't, and that made me very excited. I may have muted myself and had my hands in the air. <laughs> I, Mo is correct. She was first yes! in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. She was who? For first order officer. Oh, that's I'm, not even a role. <laughs> again, she was in Star Wars. That that was the question. All right, whatever. Anyway, she, did she even talk? I could not tell you. She, I just remember her being in Star Wars. She doesn't have an action figure yet, so she's not in Star Wars. <laughs> Excellent logic. <laughs> anyway, your thought on the the second villain, the restaurant tour. Um. Okay. He's not I, in Star Wars, by the way. I can guarantee you that. I, yeah. I, I, no, I don't think he is. Um, he wasn't. It wasn't that he was a a good bad guy, is that he was a bad, almost bad guy. You know what I mean? Like he's like the the, the petty criminal you're dealing with. Like Spider Man's got you know tied up while he's trying to go after Doc Ock. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the guy who doesn't really matter at all during like. And I kept looking at him like he was the shoe fly, don't bother me, bad guy, and. It was a really easy, safe way to do it because you have this bad guy who's not actually a bad guy and uh, Foster and Ghost. And so I, I, I like the idea that they did it to add something to it. But you can take them out of the movie and you know what I mean? Like it doesn't really affect much. And so that was one of those things where like they don't really play a huge role as more as they were there to get their butts kicked and for comedy. So. Right, they're, you know, they were the whipping boys a little bit for sure. Steve, what agreed, yeah, agreed. Yeah, they they were plot devices more than anything else. I thought I heard a Hydra mention when they were being talked about. Like I thought maybe they were part of Hydra or maybe ex Hydra or they sold to Hydra or something like that. But yeah, well, who has they, if they dealt with Shield, they dealt with Hydra, right? I think so. But yeah, they were. Uh, yeah, they were. Just necessary plot devices because, yeah, like Mo said, you know, Ghost and uh, Bill Foster weren't really the villains. So you needed these guys to be to help, you know, have actual villains in the movie, basically. Mm -hmm. So the villains in this movie, you know, ill-defined, maybe maybe not quite as as strong as some people were hoping, you know, coming from Thanos and Killmonger, you know, as the most recent examples. But. You know, with the the nuisance villain, and you got the the ghost villain that's kind of redeemable. Uh, I thought that you know, with the Ant Man kind of character and the storyline with the father and the daughters, um, I felt like it kind of worked, right? As oh, far totally. as as far as the villains go, you know, comparing this one to the other ones, with Ant Man, you don't really need that maniacal villain. You don't need Yellow Jacket, right? Which I didn't really care for Yellow Jacket as a villain from the first movie, and in this one. I kind of like that this this is a very centralized, very small story, right? To these people, it's very personal. Uh, that they're really not saving the world at all in any of the stuff that they're doing. They're just trying to save the the mother. They're trying to save a ghost, um, and they're trying to save Scott from prison. You know, it's it's a very uh, much just small story, and I think that works really well. You know, you don't have to worry about a, a kingdom of Wakanda to worry about or the entire galaxy, you know, with Thanos. But it's kind of refreshing to have that little bit of a back, uh, you know, focused look on things. Uh, any thoughts on that? I agree with you, yeah. That's a good outlook I share. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mo. <laughs> I, I agreed. Disagree. <laughs> He's a fortologist, not a f- uh, film critic. Yeah, I'm here about forts, man. <laughs> Fortnites? No, I'm not about that. Hmm. It's fun. But forts it's like I'd, I'd rather PUBG. Just saying. I mean, I would too. But yeah. uh, let's go talk a little bit about the old school Ant Man. Um, the uh, is it Michael Douglas? I think is the the guy that plays yeah. him. So when this movie first starts out, they Marvel loves this DC or DC, <laughs> this Disney de aging tech. Uh, 
and I think also these these movie stars are loving it too because they can see themselves younger again uh, in a more you know new role. Um, they de-aged both Michael and Michelle Pfeiffer like really well. Like this this technology has come a very long way since the first time I saw it. Uh, the first time I remember seeing it was in X Men Three. Ugh, a terrible movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what do you guys think about this? I mean, even in the, in the with with Iron Man, uh, Civil War, when he was talking about you know young Iron Man in there, uh, young Tony Stark, uh, and they've they've had other flashback episodes. What do you what do you think of this technology and the use of it as it going as it's going? And do you want to see more of it, Steve? I'm not particularly crazy about it. I mean, it works, and I get why they do it. Um, it, it's as long as it's not distracting, um, then I'm fine with it. Like you know, like in some of those, you can definitely tell that it's a lot of weird CGI, and when it when you notice that, then it takes you out of the film. So I didn't really notice the special effects involved, so it worked for me. So as long as they keep it like that, I'm fine with it. No. I thought it was makeup in Iron Man. I did not realize this was computer stuff doing it. I just thought they used like makeup to make them look younger. Um, so now that I know, that's pretty sweet. I did not know that was how that was being done. But I'm also not like super movie smart. So, awesome. <laughs> so to you, was it pretty seamless then? Yeah, I I didn't notice it. <laughs> so they've done their job. That's what you have to say. Again, fully mean not not overly hard. So, <laughs> so we also have you know uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. She played the the mother, which she was never cast in the original. I mean, it was somebody else that was cast as the mother, uh, as the original Wasp. And I don't think they showed her face. I think she was in a mask the whole time. Yeah, because they showed us that scene again where. Um, it was the the missile that went off. They kind of expanded on that scene a little bit more, but this time uh, about what happened there. And I thought that Michelle Pfeiffer actually did a pretty pretty decent job uh, with with this role. And she didn't she wasn't in it terribly a lot, but the character I, I really liked. And I don't know if it's because I really liked that scene with Scott when he was kind of possessed by her, um, and he he maybe just did a really good job. But that character, I was looking, I was invested in them. I wanted her, I wanted her to be saved and rescued. And I don't know, I she wasn't a huge like screen presence time, but she she, you felt her the entire movie. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer's. Yeah, it's so great. To, I was genuinely, I did not know she was in this movie until like I saw the credits, and I was like, oh wow, that's awesome. Michelle Pfeiffer's in this. So I think I saw a poster. I was like, oh, is that Michelle Pfeiffer? Sweet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's a very welcome presence, and it's also she played Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp, who was one of the original Avengers. So it's good to see her get her proper due this time around. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they have this old cast of characters here, and I one of these days we're gonna get like an original Avengers, like something, right? Like maybe not a whole movie, but with everybody de-aged and kind of doing their thing, or maybe they all have masks on. Who knows? But I think that'd be kind of cool to see something, at least like from the original era. Um, so let's get to the the new Wasp then. We finally see her suited up here, taking care of business. Um, she comes and kidnaps Scott from his house, which is not a good idea for him because now he's going to be out of the way. But uh, don't worry, they have an ant that's replicated his every move every day, which is pretty funny. Um, what do you guys think of her as... You know, this time she was as the wasp. She was fully suited up. She had, she had her abilities. She had her little zappers. She had her wings. If if you had to, if you had to rate her compared to her mother, who would win? Steve. I think Hope would win. She seems to have more training. Um, Janet Van Dyne in the comics is never really, you know, a great overall combatant i mean her main thing was shrinking and, and shooting you with stingrays but um hope seems to you know is, is a great fighter she trained scott to be a, a competent fighter but um i also liked i loved her um assertion that if she would have been with scott in um 
uh, Civil War, Captain America Civil War, that he would not have been caught. So I, I love I loved her her boldness too. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mo. Uh, I'm taking mom all the way. I mean, you survived that long in that that realm, learning the things you learn. Uh, I feel like she would only have advantages, and we already learned that she's got some uh, nifty powers and abilities that are going to turn into some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Nifty powers and abilities—that's true. Um, so, looking at you know this whole ensemble here and this plot that as it unfolds. Um, I have a question for you guys, since you are the smartest people I am talking to right now as far as comic books go and other things. Um, what about in the first movie, they said like the mass transfers over when you're small. So if you were to punch a guy it with as a small person, it's still going to have the same effect as if you were big, right? Why wouldn't the same be true for when a car is shrunken down? Where a building is shrunken down, why wouldn't it still be as dense and still be as heavy as the original state that it's in? Hmm. Mo, go to Bruce Banner mode and answer this. (laughs) Okay. um, I think what you're confusing is it's the force that's replicated. Um, and, and force and, you know, mass are not always, you know, it's not the way that they're connecting it. I think when that shrinking thing's going out, you're losing a lot of those, that air particle-ness that is helping shrink. So if you're thinking of, you know, when you've got concrete, there is air inside that concrete in one way for another connected to different things. And so as it shrinks down, it pushes that air out to the furthest extent that it can. Um, I think the weight thing then changes. Because then you, of course, don't have that amount of air. And if you look at a giant building that is containing a large amount of you know, oxygen. Um, so that would be my guess. Um, but my assertion is you're causing the force when you're throwing the punch. And they're saying that the force is multiplied because your muscles are making it. I don't think that building was causing force by sitting still. I don't know. That's, that's my thought. Sounds good to me. I was just going to say comic book science. Pim particles, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that was one of the things that kind of I, I need to like either rewatch the first one or something, just to understand why that, you know, they can carry around the small stuff all the time, and like in the first one, the tank and everything. So, there, I just had to have missed something, but that was just kind of sticking in the back of my mind the entire time. I was like, why isn't that mm. proved true for, you know? But I well, should just write it off as comic book science, like you said. And if you think about it, when he gets shrunken down and he lands on somebody, he doesn't squish them to death. He doesn't squish the ant to death. You know what I mean? Right. When he's flying on the ant. So I think I thought I, somewhere along the way, I thought I heard something once that maybe like the, the displaced mass goes into the quantum realm and then returns when it's called upon or something like that. But I could just be making that up as I, as we speak. I'm not totally sure. I'm, I'm, I'm mine. It sounds good to me. <laughs> so story overall were you guys happy with ant-man and the wasp yes definitely yeah i really enjoyed it again uh i really liked the last ant-man so i liked this one even more so Uh um so as we kind of wind down this this discussion here on ant-man and the wasp do you have any other comments or final thoughts uh let's go to you mo um, I think the biggest thing is when watching this, um, don't expect a story that ties into the Avengers. Like this is a movie that is definitely more about uh, his story and the story of those families and how they're connected. Um, and second, I think the joy and the the jokes in this one make the whole movie better. And, and that's something I really enjoyed because there was a bad guy who you knew was a bad guy, but then there were these uh, almost bad guys who actually ended up just being misunderstood good guys who just needed help and, and were hurting. And I think that scene when she's acting and, and um, she's just you know telling him, like, I'm always in pain and I'm always hurting, you realize someone's been living their whole life that way. Like, you can understand them going to extremes to make the pain stop. And so when I saw that, like, it made the whole story better because now I've got this this person who isn't a bad guy and you understand why they've done some of the bad things they've done. I think those are always my favorite, like, anti-heroes, is when you can see what made them make that choice. Mm-hmm. So really, really fun just to kind of dive in and see all those different stories inter- intertwined. So. Yeah. 
And Mo, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at PSVGOT um, with my dude Dev. And if you go back, you can listen to uh, my dude Steve, who helps fill in. You can find me on That's Entertaining, because that's where I'm at right now. Uh, and I'm at the Coach Hulk on most of the things. So, yeah, that's, so, that's where. Thanks for joining me, good sir. And Ooh, wait. Ooh. I have one more thing. Mm-hmm. I wrote a piece at 2 in the morning on Living Single and posted it to PSVG.blog. I called Kevin the next day and said, please delete it. He kept it. So if you want to read something about a TV show that stopped airing 20 years ago, <laughs> go give it a read. <laughs> awesome. That was it. <laughs> nice. Uh, Mr. Waldinger, final thoughts and where can people find you? Oh, this is a very fun movie. I like that it was mostly disconnected from, you know, the goings on in the Marvel universe, Marvel Cinematic Universe. It connects at the end, of course. But uh, yeah, it had it, it, you know, it did its own thing. It was great. I, um, you know, came away from this movie very happy. And um, uh, one thing I'm looking forward to is I want to see the f- further developments of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because like they keep talking that they're going to you know, phase out some heroes and phase in more. Um, one hero that's in this movie that is just a child right now is Scott's daughter, Cassie. She becomes uh, stature later on. Uh, uh, she also is able to grow and shrink you know, as needed because of the pin particles. So yeah, I, I would love to see her become a superhero uh, sometime down the line. That's what I'm uh, looking forward to. But yeah, I uh, give this movie a two thumbs up. Uh, standing ovation type of deal cool where can people find you again um my instagram and twitter are the same it's at steve waldinger uh s-t-e-v-e-w-a-l-d-i-n-g-e-r um i co-host a podcast called the episode one podcast um We talk about the first episode of TV shows and judge the whole series based on that one episode. Um, We don't, unfortunately, talk about Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, even though I always think we do. Every time I'm Uh, double lightsaber ready to ignite, and I forget. It is, yeah, ready to go, yes. Um, we're We're on Twitter and Instagram at Episode One Pod. And I've mentioned my project that I do with my partner, Lady Beaver, before, uh, Comic Prof, where we make live improvised comics starring you. Um, we're on Twitter and Instagram um, at Comic Prof, C-O-M-I-C-P-R-O-V. Cool. Thank you for joining me as well, good sir. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, for my final thoughts on the movie, I think that it was it was pretty good. It was a fun, fun and uh, enjoyable movie. Um, not as heavy as the last two Marvel films, which I think is kind of nice just to add, you know, that, that levity to the, to the universe again. Uh, I liked seeing San Francisco again showcased around in the movie. Uh, the music was really well done. I, I enjoyed listening to that. I, like I said, I listened to it today, um, a couple times through when I was at work, actually trying to zone in on some, some stuff, but also listen to it. And it was really enjoyable. Uh, I, I recommend the music, uh, as well. Um, but as a story, I thought that it was pretty solid. Um, not my favorite of the Marvel mo- Marvel movies for sure, but it was actually just really enjoyable, really fun. Uh, and I just the cast was great to watch, and I would go see another one. You know, I would go see Michael Pena tells the Marvel universe. You know, at this point, I think we need to get to a point where um, Michael Pena just kind of recaps the whole Marvel universe for us or something, uh, so he can just fill that whole gap in i think it'd be great but overall really enjoyed this movie i recommend it uh it's a good theater movie good popcorn movie um but it's not necessarily you have to watch it up there it's not like the avengers um or some of the more action heavy ones there's there's definitely um more comedic side to this one than a lot of the others as we've mentioned before so, dear listener, we thank you for listening. You can find the show at Entertaining Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at That'sEntertaining.net, where Steven has recently played some video games. He wrote an article about that. What, why don't you tell yes. people about that a little bit, Steve? Uh, it yeah, was pretty sorry. dope. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I used to be a big gamer, but to date myself a little, um, I peaked during the the PlayStation days, the original PlayStation, um, and I would play some occasional uh, PS2 with uh, some friends, but then that's been it. 
until about two weeks ago. I was home in Pennsylvania. I was over at a buddy's house, and I said, hey, what video games do you have? And then from there, I haven't written this one yet, but it's, it's going to be my follow-up piece. I uh, uh, found a local GameStop that had a that had a bunch of demo games for me to play, so I'll be writing about that soon. But yeah, in the meantime... Uh, once when, uh, this article will be posted on that's entertain this podcast will be posted on that's entertaining.net and then my article called Steve plays some video games um, you can just click on that and read and hope you enjoy very good uh, you can find me over at voiced by Nathan on Twitter and uh, obviously the that's entertaining.net is where we post the show like Steve mentioned uh, also over at PSVG you can find some stuff that we do over there as well if you enjoy the video games so again, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. And you, dear listener, we thank you for taking some time to listen to us ramble on about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And again, it has been a while. I know it, it, I missed a month or two. Um, but, you know, sometimes life uh, finds a way, as Dr. Malcolm would say. So thanks again for uh, listening. And we'll catch you next time. I think Mission Impossible will will probably be the next one that we do. Mission Impossible Fallout's got a lot of good buzz. Um, it may be uh, this month as well, in, in August, if we get a chance to record then. Don't want to hold my breath on those based on our current track record. But we will do that as the next episode. Uh, so look forward to discussing that, the latest of the Mission Impossible series, next time with you all. So, again, thank you for listening. And we hope that you have been entertained.